There we go. Thank you, Terry, praise band, orchestra, and this wonderful choir. Give God a wonderful hand of praise. I love it when they just come together. Let it fly, right? Like a river. Good to see you today. The uh, other part of our congregation, as I said earlier, they're at the coast, aren't they? They're having barbecue, pancakes for breakfast, all kinds of good things. We can have that here, too. We just don't have the ocean with it. But you know what? They're watching and blessed. Thank you in a simulcast. You're watching uh, the waves come in or in your hotel room with your family and friends. Blessed you can be doing that. Even some of the Texans watching back in the Lone Star State, they're watching, too, aren't they? Great to have Barry and Kim here today. God bless you and your dear family. What a great, great day. Blessings to all of you, and thank you for being here. We have a message today that has to do with um, some fallacy that exists in our world. Fortunately, we have a country friend that teaches us about fallacy. You know his name. I was thinking about quitting, but all those children said, Bubba was just so good. Please stay with it, right? And so I heard that even one of the children, when they went to camp last week, was saying if the speakers had any Bubba jokes. <laughs> I'm sure they were thought, what church do you attend? <laughs> but it seems like, as it would be providential, Bubba ran into a Texan that was coming through his country town on the way to the East Coast and began a conversation. He's a friendly sort of guy and uh, began to tell Bubba about his life in Texas and all. And Bubba said, well, what do you do? And he said, I'm a rancher got one of the biggest ranches in the state of Texas, and they began to tell him all about that. Well, before you know it, Bubba's head got a little bit full of himself, and the gentleman asked him, he said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm a rancher, too. I have one of the biggest ranches in the whole state, which was a bald-faced lie. But Bubba got himself in trouble. And so the rancher, knowing all the big ranches around the U.S., said, well, I know most of those big ranches around Tell me, what's the name of your ranch? And Bubba's trying to think, and he comes up with a whole list of things. First, he says, I've got the Leaning R, Lazy G, Circle C, Bar U, Flying W, Stable 4, Box D Ranch. Now, the impressed Texan said, I've never heard of a name that big for a ranch. That must be really something. How many cattle are you running? Bubba just looked at him. He said, not many. Only a few survived the Brandon. <laughs> the stupidity of Bubba. <laughs> but bottom line is there's lots of fallacy in our world when it comes to God, in particular, the Holy Spirit of God, which many people picture as uh, the Holy Ghost as a sheet with two holes in it for the eyes, and he just kind of floats around the Holy Ghost. Now, you don't want to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, he'll come and get you. And this, the fallacies that existing around the Holy Spirit of God are unbelievable. That's why today's message is entitled, The Holy Spirit, Impersonal Force or God. Now, part of the inspiration for today came a few weeks back. I was listening to a particular, it was a secular radio station, so I, I don't expect them to have any great theological truths coming out of it necessarily, but they're just talking about people who believe in God and this 
impersonal force that kind of helps drive and direct people. I just want to call and say that's not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit of God is real. He is a person. But many times, even in believing circles, even in churches, there's kind of a hierarchy. Well, there's the most important, the Father, and there's, there's the Son, and then the flunky's kind of the Holy Spirit. He's just kind of out there. He didn't really do a, well, many people think he doesn't do a whole lot, but I want to just say to you today, to answer the question right up front, the Holy Spirit and personal force or God, listen carefully. With all due respect to whatever worldview you hold, the biblical record of the Holy Spirit is what you'll see on this first point. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, I'll read this, then I want to bring back a point or two, if I may. It says in Mark 1, 10 and 11, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven, what, being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Many people that belong to a certain cult say that the word Trinity, did you know the word Trinity is not in the Bible? And I've had that brought to my attention many times by some of these people that belong to this particular cult. And I say, yes, I know it's not in the Bible. And that's a term we came up with to describe the triunity of God. They said, well, why do you believe in many gods? I said, I don't. I believe in one God revealed in Father, Son, and Spirit. Well, can you explain that? Hmm? Can you explain that? I say no. Can you explain Jehovah? Can you? Can you explain to me a being that had no beginning or end? A being that could speak into existence things you cannot comprehend, things when even... We haven't found some beings that are living on the bottom of the ocean yet. So you see, non-comprehension doesn't equate non-existence. And because some people have a struggle with believing one God revealed in Father, Son, and Spirit, doesn't mean it's not true. What does the Bible say? The Bible in this picture shows us Father, Son, and Spirit as Jesus, Son, as Spirit descends, the Holy Spirit, and a voice that says, this is my Son, the Father. Now, these are for lines of authority, not lines of superiority. If you remember that about that, the picture will shrink a little bit for you. The delineation we see revealed in the Word of God is not for superiority. It's for positions of or lines of authority. And you see, we have a dynamic that exists here. We have submission among equals. So in the triunity of God, as he's revealed himself, the one God revealed in Father, Son, and Spirit, there's submission among equals. There is authority, lines of authority, not superiority. And so you can try and fit it in your head as much as you want to fit in your head. But I submit to you, if there is an almighty, all-knowing God, there has to be things that are enigmatic about him. Yes? Because when you think about even creation, when you think about some of the things God put on this earth that you can literally see, you can, you can study them, you can look at them, but do you fully understand how this thing came into being? That if you believe the word of God, in Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then gives the story of creation. Can you think of sitting before there was such a thing as a hummingbird? 
or a giraffe with all the vertebrae in that neck and of all the different things that are on this earth and think that you could make that happen by speaking it? Then you begin to think, you know, there probably are some things about God I don't understand yet, and I'll not be arrogant to say because I don't understand that I don't believe it. There's many things I see and I don't comprehend, but I know are true. And so today, we look at the Holy Spirit of God. I submit up front, any of those watching on the simulcast, I have some dear people around our city that watch, that do not believe our worldview. I submit to you today, this is the biblical worldview on the Holy Spirit of God. He's not an impersonal force. Secondly, and we'll look at 17 different elements today, so we'll be flying along at Brooklyn needs at about 100 miles an hour, right? Or as the photon said to the TSA gentleman, you know, at the, at the airport, said to the photon, do you have any luggage? He said, no, I'm traveling light. So we're not traveling light today. We're going for that. It's bad, but all right, we'll take it. I got you woken again. That's all I wanted. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. The Holy Spirit of God was involved in creation. Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When you look at Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning, Elohim, God, the heme, the, the I am on the end, is, is a plural ending. God. doesn't mean there's three different gods. It means one God revealed in Father, Son, and Spirit. We see that here even in verse 2. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that's not just some impersonal spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. The Holy Spirit inhabits believers, bring up that next slide, making our bodies temples. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received of God, for you are not your own? You see, many people wonder why true believers, not pseudo-believers, not religious people, but real believers in Jesus why they act differently, because you have to act differently when the Holy Spirit of God inhabits you. Notice I didn't say perfectly. I said differently. We make better decisions because of Jesus. We make decisions that are selfless because of him and the Spirit of God that's inside of us. Now, in 70 AD, a man by the name of Titus surrounded the city of Jerusalem and had a siege on the city and ultimately destroyed it. The siege was so bad, they cut off food supplies, even cut off water, to the point to where the unthinkable was happening inside that city of where people were eating. It be more graphic than that, but it's horrible. But that city was destroyed, and in that they took the temple and destroyed it utterly, and all the records in it for lineage and all were destroyed, period, gone. So this place where they would go where the Holy of Holies was, and the high priest would approach with a rope tied around him as he entered into that where the presence of God was, was all that building was destroyed. But you know what God did? He said, now I'm going to make mobile temples. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a mobile temple. It's pretty good, isn't it? Right? Before the days of internet and cell phone, you're a mobile temple. See, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit of God that gives you the power, gives you the wisdom, and gives you the fruit to live the kind of life that we should live. And even when we don't, the Holy Spirit convicts us and shows us where we have gone off track. Let's keep on going. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Next, the Holy Spirit is essential to be uh, born again. You cannot be born again without the Spirit. Is that something that we just... Let's see. Is it? All right, there we go. That's even better. We'll see if it does that, right? 
But this about, that's about as far as it goes, right? All right. <laughs> yeah. Same pra- I got hands getting lifted around here, right? Same praise God. I don't know why that does it, but it's doing it. But Scott's right here. Do not try this at home. Yeah, let's see what you got over there. Let's see. It did, where's that thunder outside? Whole new thing? our guys they're ready right on the jump to get it done if I can get that thing on there and is that the mute is that the mute there we go let's see if we can get this going here right as we said do not try this at home all right that's right hey God it's all right great thank you Scott appreciate that all right. Where were we? I think we we're just about to close. No, we weren't. Let's go. <laughs> I heard that wishful thinking coming up. Okay. John 3, 5. You have to be born again. And it's by the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus answered, as this man comes to Jesus wanting to know, he's a leader, he's a religious person. The fact, the holiest person probably in all of Israel. The name is Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus. He knows there's something special about Jesus. Jesus tells him, Sir, you have to be born again. In John 3, 5, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God. Listen carefully again. I know Christianity is dog. The Bible is dogmatic because truth is singular in nature. Look at what it says. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Born of water is a natural birth. Born into this world and born of the Spirit, a supernatural birth. Notice it says the Spirit, not a Spirit. The Spirit. You must be born, first of all, into this world and then be inhabited as a temple of God by the Holy Spirit. And the way you get the Holy Spirit is through believing the record of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who loved you and by his grace and mercy took your sin and all the evil we ever have done, died for it on the cross, shed his blood on the cross because he loved us, made the payment for our sin, rose from the dead three days later, and offers eternal life as a gift. If you believe that record, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Then you're born again of the Spirit of God. Next, let's keep on rolling. This is very important. I want you to see this because I want you to see the personhood of the Spirit here. The Apostle Peter equates lying to the Holy Spirit with lying to God. It's Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. I should have really saved this right before the offering, but we'll use it right now. Because this is Ananias and Sapphira. They sold some land, nothing wrong with that, and said they brought all the money to the church. They were lying. Okay? They didn't. The problem wasn't what they, what they brought. The problem was an ethical problem. They were lying to the Spirit of God. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied? You see that up there? Lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? 
What made you think of doing such a thing? I want you to look at the next part. You have not lied to men, but to Casper the ghost. No. You have not lied to men, but to God. The apostle Peter equates lying to the Holy Spirit with lying to God. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is God, part of the triunity of God, one God revealed in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, bring up our next slide. It talks about the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. Why? Because an impersonal force does not have emotion. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve an impersonal spirit. The word grieve is a great word there. It means to be in distress. It means to have sorrow. It's lopeo. It's a word that means that there's a heaviness in you. See, to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, if you're a true believer... What happens when you disobey God's word and disobey the Spirit's leading? It grieves him. He's a person that grieves him. Any parent, any, if you don't have to be a parent, you can have a friend. When a friend's making a wrong decision, it grieves you. If you see a friend or someone you love putting the wrong things in their body that we know scientifically will harm them, it grieves you. And it grieves the Spirit of God. When we allow things into our bodies or our minds that are, shouldn't be there. It grieves him when we just disobey and just become apathetic. It grieves the Spirit of God. So he has emotion. He can be grieved. Bring up the next one. Holy Spirit has a will. An impersonal force doesn't have a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 11. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So you may not like your gift, but if God gave that to you, use it for him. There's all different kinds of gifts, and he's determined some of that. Some he calls us pastors, leaders. Some of you are exhorters, givers, servants. There's all kinds of gifts, and ones that aren't even listed in the Bible. All through this congregation, he's given lots of different gifts. Well, I'm glad I didn't get the gift of mercy because I like to nail people. Listen, every believer is supposed to be merciful. When you are merciful as a gift... It just flows out of you like lava out of a volcano. It flows out. When you're an encourager, you don't have to work at it. You just are. It's a gift. And so God has given that as he determines through the Holy Spirit, just as he determines. So if you don't have a certain gift, it doesn't mean you don't have to practice any of the other things that are there. But what it does mean, if you have certain gifts, use them just as the Spirit has determined and given that to you. To bless the body neck. The Holy Spirit has a will. What else does he have? He has intellect. Romans 8.26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How? We do not know what we ought to pray for. Have you ever just been in that place? You didn't know how to pray? Should I take this job? Not take this job. Should I talk to this person? Not talk to this person. Is this an open door to be a witness or not? Should I take whatever? Should I date this person? Should I Whatever. What courses should I take? What's my major going to be? We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I can't tell you what all that means. I just know this, that the Holy Spirit has intellect, 
and knows what we need. And so he's making whatever that is interceding for us so that we get the right thing. We can have it happen in the right way, even when we pray. I prayed with someone earlier last week about something. It was a personal thing. I was praying with them in this building. After that prayer, the next day, I got a call from the person. And they said, you know when you said that word during the prayer? Now, I didn't design this particular word. It was just a word that came to my mind as I was praying. I didn't have a script and say, wait a minute, this is a personal prayer. Let me pull out my personal prayer script. Dear, fill in blank. No, I just had a prayer led by the Spirit of God. And this person said, when you said that word, that was for me. You couldn't know I was dealing with that, 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 that. That was for me. That was the Spirit of God. He's making uh, groanings and utterings that express things, not only to other people but to us and to God himself. He has a ministry with us, and he has intellect. He knows. And sometimes when you don't know what to pray, just leave it right there. Say, God, I don't even know what else to pray, but I know you hear my heart. Isn't that great? We have a God that knows us so well. He can hear your heart. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I've said many times that I've had couples in premarital counseling where the Word of God says to know your spouse. I said it's way beyond the physical. You can look at charts and all that for that. It's to know them so well. That if one of them became paralyzed and could not even talk, that if someone asked that spouse a question, what's your favorite color that you could answer? What's your favorite vegetable? You already know. What do you like better, sunrise or sunset? You know. But you would know all those things without them saying it because you love them and you've really gotten to know them. The Holy Spirit of God knows us. It knows you. It knows me. And he gives us what we need. He knows us that well. Praise God for that. That's why we should never grieve the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit also has a ministry as a counselor and teacher, John 14, 26. But the counselor, the paracletus, para, it means like in a paragraph alongside of, the one who walks alongside of us, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Sometimes you couldn't call up something if you wanted to, except when the time is right there. And you're able to think about it when you're speaking to someone about the Lord. It comes up in your mind. He teaches us lots of different things. When we read Scripture and really, really, not trying to get to a deadline, but really listen to God. And we stop and say, God, I'm not letting go because there's something you want to teach me here. God will bless you with that. He will teach you. He reminds you of lots of things. The Holy Spirit teaches about God's Word. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. This comes on the heels of many people that call the Spirit an impersonal force because they don't believe God's Word. One of the reasons they don't believe God's Word, I'm sure, Ryan, you hear this on campuses you're at, these College students do, high school students do. If you listen to radio or read, do any reading, this is why. Listen carefully. I don't really believe the Bible because it's written by people. And you see, they must use the example of newspapers and social media to say, well, people lie on that all the time. I don't believe people, but I want you to see something. It says in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, someone could say, well, I don't have to believe that because it was written by man. I submit to you, 
It is way better that man read it than a squirrel. Have you ever listened to them? I don't understand that. So what the person is saying is when I asked them, I said, well, how big is your God? Said, what do you mean? I said, are you trying to say you have a God that's so small that he couldn't preserve his word, what we want to know about him through people, through language, through style? How else would he do it? He communicated and came down as man so we can see what God is and what he is like and also inspired these people to write these things. Well, how do I know it hadn't changed? I'm glad you asked. There was a little shepherd boy that threw a rock into a cave in the late 40s and hit a big uh, clay jar. And inside that, they found some scrolls written a couple of thousand years ago. And if you look at those and you interpret those and translate those, it's what you have today. The Bible. You see, even back when they were writing the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, when they came to the word Yahweh, God's personal name, they had to stop, put their quill down, wash their hands, and go back to it. It was read and reread to make sure it was exactly right because God can use people to get truth across if he chooses to do that. Or how big is your God? So we have the word of God today as God would have us to know it. Now, even without this word, let me say this. Here's the problem. You would still know there's a God because the Bible says in Romans 1.20, the invisible things of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, so man's without excuse. You could look out and you could ask yourself a question, take away the Bible, take away every science book, and be a raw, organic human being and look out there and ask yourself the question, where did this come from? Did it just happen? And your mind would tell you nothing I've ever done on this earth from building my hut or making some sandals, or putting clothing on, happened just happened. It took design, it took creation, it took time, it took intellect. And so you can look out there, and it's why the Word of God says, His invisible things are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, so man's without excuse. So there is a God that is so powerful that He can preserve His Word. And I submit to you when He says that they spoke because they were spoken by the Word of God to these people, I submit to you today that one of those prophecies would be there would come a time in our world where you could not buy and sell without a number. If I were to survey just our millennials, 30 and under in this room, and say, how many of you have checkbooks? They'd say, what's a checkbook? Right? Right? I mean, I go up and I'm a dinosaur and I know it. So I, I, I pay cash at the register. They look at you. They say, what is that? Oh, yeah. This is money. Not putting the card in, and I have those, whatever, right? But I am saying this. The Bible said there would come a day that no one would be able to buy and sell on the face of the earth without a number. Do you think that someone a couple of thousand years ago was thinking, man, it's going to be really cool when Apple gets here. <laughs> and they're going to invent all these different things that are so tiny, they're going to be able to put them inside of someone's forehead or wrist, and it's going to have all their information. Do you think there was a human being alive even a hundred years ago that said, we're going to have things so tiny you can put all the information, their history, medical history, financial history, and something you can barely even see? Did you think they were thinking that? Or did you think that God could see it because he's God? You see, there's many prophecies in the Word of God that are inexplicable except someone who had infinite knowledge gave it to us. And infinite knowledge comes from God. The Holy Spirit does teach us about God's Word, but the Holy Spirit teaches about Jesus. In John 16, 14, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. That's how we know about Jesus. The Holy Spirit 
teaches us about Jesus and teaches truth about Jesus so that we can understand what was Jesus like. The Bible reveals it to us and shows us what Jesus is like. He's a God of grace and mercy. He loved us enough to tell us the truth. In a world that wipes out anything negative or any consequence for sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Do you know what biblical death is? Biblical death is not the cessation of breathing. Biblical death is separation from God forever in a place called hell. Now, I know that's not politically correct. I know it makes people uncomfortable, but you know what? I'd rather be uncomfortable in my jet when they're telling me, would you please brace, we're going to do everything we can to land on this river than to say, no, we're just going to see how this plane flies underwater. You see, I want to know the truth, don't you? I don't want my doctor to lie to me about, well, I can see cancer all through Joe, but that's going to hurt his feelings. Just, just tell him to take an aspirin and come back in a few years. But we won't be here in a few years. But I want to know the truth. Jesus loved me and he loved you enough to tell us the truth. Dear friend, with all due respect, you may not be able to conceive of hell, but I'm telling you that the only person that will send you to hell is yourself by rejecting what Jesus has already done for you. And you can make every argument you want, all the logic you want, and try and fit it into a little bowl where you feel comfortable with it. But I want to submit to you, if God's not comfortable with it, it doesn't make any difference anyway. Because you'll stand before him and what he did on the cross because he loved you, friend. Why would you turn down the greatest love and the greatest act of mercy and love? God wants you today to receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit teaches us about that. Bring up the next slide. Thank you. The Holy Spirit is a guide. In Acts 16, 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. The Holy Spirit was guiding them. It guided Philip, didn't he? The Ethiopian eunuch. He guided all, all those crazy good things that were happening. Well, that happened back in Bible times. Let me say this to you because I've shared it before. I've had these instances here, but sometimes because of the personal nature of something, I can't share it. But I can share with you a story I've shared before about a woman that lived in a city in Texas when I was living there. And I was coming back from speaking at a place, and I'll make this quick. I was late, and I had to get back. The officer already called and said, I'm late. Please apologize to my appointment. I hate being late. I'm one of those people, right? So I'm driving back. In my mind comes this voice, go see Linda. I keep driving. I'm further down the road, go see Linda. Is that me or is that you, God? What, who is that? I don't hear God with, this is God. I hear my own voice. But it came back in my head, go see Linda. I'm at the most, the longest traffic light in the state of Texas. I'm there, and I have to turn around and go back, but I go there. I don't even know where the school is. I've never been to her school. She's a principal. I've never been to her school, don't even know where it is. I just see signs that said school, uh, school zone, and I pull down some streets. I happen to pull down, happen to pull down the right ones, go there, find her school, go to the administrator's desk by the principal's office and say, I'm here to see Linda. She just has glassy eyes. Said, how did you know? So how do I know what? So well, who are you? I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor. He said, she just got off the phone. Her nephew, who is like her son, just took his life, and she's lying on the floor. She's immobilized. I went in there and saw her, and she knew God had sent me. She's at that moment of life where it's like Isaiah. He said, I'm a person undone. It means that you're like you lose all strength. God. 
I'd like to say I was smart enough to figure that out and saw that. New agey people say that was mental telepathy, that a message was sent. Let me tell you what it was, the Holy Spirit of God. I've had too many of those things happen in my life. It was the Holy Spirit of God that will guide us, and he will guide you. Never think of a little coincidental meeting in the line when you're waiting in line at a store. As opposed to complaining, God may have someone right next to you that needs a word. When everyone else is complaining, you swim upstream and don't complain. Be a blesser. Be an encourager. Thank that checkout person. They have a blessed day. God bless. Love for you to come some night on a Thursday night if you have to work on weekends. Whatever it is, don't negate the fact God may be guiding you. Keep coming up. And the Holy Spirit's a powerful force in our witness. You not only have to go in the Spirit of God, you go in the power of the Spirit of God, Acts 1-8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You know how crazy that was back then? You know how crazy that was? You'll be my witnesses around the world. Jesus, we can't even get this thing off the ground here. Remember, we were just hiding in a room. But Jesus said, because of my power, you'll be able to take it around the world. You know what's crazy? Greensboro, North Carolina didn't exist as a city back when that was written. But you know what? You're a living testimony. Give God a hand of praise. You're here right now. The word kept going. The uttermost part of the world. We're right here. We're right here. And I'm in the uttermost part of the world because this is a long way from Brooklyn, New York, eh? Forget about it. God can do what he wants to do because he's God. And through the power of God and power of witnesses in my life, I saw the love of Jesus Christ. And I couldn't fight it anymore. I bought it into my life. He gave me abundant life years ago. Haven't looked back since. Next verse. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in us, Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law that's right because you and i will do more for love than you ever would for a law the law says do this much and you're okay i live by some religious rules and when you got them satisfied you were good but see what would you do for love how much would it take for you to stop loving your child if they were sick terminally ill and you could do something to prevent that love would let you go all the way wouldn't it and the same thing is with god that's why Jesus Christ is not a religion. It's a relationship. And he sets us free because when you believe, you don't serve Christ to be saved. You, save him because, you serve him because you are saved. What a wonderful thing that is. You serve him because you learn how to love God. You know, we have to learn how to do that. We don't know how to do it. God teaches us how to do it. And we have all those things inside of all the fruit. So please, as I've said many times, don't pray, God, I need more patience. All the patience you've ever needed is living inside of you. God, I live, need more self-control. I know I shouldn't say certain things. You have all the self-control living inside you. You'll ever need. What happens is we grieve the Holy Spirit, and we don't listen because we want to run in our flesh and do our own thing. And our mouths open up and hurt people and say things or write things, text things we should never do. I, need, I just need more self-control. Never thinking it may be hurting someone or, or gossiping. Holy Spirit says, you've already got it. Stop grieving it and start listening to it, period. The Holy Spirit helps us discern God's thoughts and actions. In 1 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15, the man without Scripture does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Amen? They are. They're foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. The Spirit of God gives us discernment over so many things in life we wouldn't have discernment over. He guides us and leads us and uses his word to do that as he guides us and leads us. Keep going. Thank you. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee 
that he will keep his promises. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed that you were marked in him with the seal promised by the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, possessive to the praise of his glory. You have a down payment living inside of you called the Holy Spirit of God. When you're going to purchase a car, a house, or something, if you leave a deposit, it guarantees no one else can go and buy that. You own it. God has given you and me as believers a deposit of the Holy Spirit. I guarantee I purchased you. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, why, don't you know your body to temple of the Holy Spirit which you have of God and you are not your own? God purchased us. And so we have that deposit will come to full fruition when we leave this earth tent, right? We have an earthly tent. It's perishing. It gets old. It get, actually, it gets more beautiful and faster the older you get. All that practice, right? I see some of you going, wait a minute. He's gone crazy. No. You see what happens. But it's going to be reversed one day. And you, if you're a believer in Jesus, will have a body like his one day. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Walk through doors. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now, lock doors, not just open doors, right? Walk through them and do lots of great things, okay? It's God's guarantee he'll keep his promise. And also, the Spirit has the power to change people, so I submit to you today. Has God's power, has the Holy Spirit of God been working change in you? It says in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Thessalonica had lots of issues going on in a society much like ours. The Holy Spirit fell, and there were people who believed in the power of God, lived in the power of God, were willing to be, quote-unquote, risk-takers for God because the power to change people are you a witness to a changed life in Jesus? Do you march to the beat of a different drum? Do you stand up for the faith? Not ugly, not arrogantly, but do you stand up for it? You see, there's opportunities all out there. And I love the fact, as I meet and guest central people all the time, and perhaps some today, because someone invited you, and you saw in their life in the workplace, or in their school, or in their neighborhood, someone that said, I don't know if I believe what they believe, but they're the real deal. They're the real deal. I'm going to go see what that's about. Why those people waste their Sunday morning? I can always waste one and see what it's about. Or I'll watch on the simulcast. I was a skeptic. I didn't believe it until I came into a place like this and saw people that love one another. People that sacrifice for one another. People that cared for one another. It's the Spirit of God inside of us. And today, God may have spoken to you through the Holy Spirit about something that may be totally unrelated, maybe just a word you heard today that said, you know what, that's me. Pastors, come forward now, and if there's not enough pastors here today, some deacons, some may be out there teaching, some may be away. Step right up here because there's an opportunity for you to really respond to God's word today, to not lie to the Spirit because God may have spoken truth into your life. Number one, you may be grieving the Holy Spirit by holding what you think is a secret sin. Dear friend, listen carefully. Your sin may be secret to other people, but it's not a secret to God. And if you've been grieving the Holy Spirit and wondering where the power of God is in your life, it's because you've held that in. And the fact is, with a lot of sin, we just like it. We like it. 
God says, you don't trust me enough to like me even more and love me even more than that. Let me replace that sin with my presence, with my power. And today God may be saying, let it go. Let the addiction go. Let the sin go. Let the evil go. Let all the other things that are binding you up, let them go today. Because my spirit's told you that. And don't you dare lie to the spirit. You may want to come and pray alone or pray with one of our deacons or pastors. And just release it today to feel the release of it. Not claiming to live perfectly the rest of your life, but at least letting it go and say, God, by your grace, I want to live in your power, not mine. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love for you to come as a candidate for membership today. This is not some place where we just come and play church. These people have helped provide for 230 or 40 of our students and counselors went off to camp this week. We're believing in the next generation, investing in them, and many of the people in this room and in the last hour that will never see some of those young people grow up because they'll be at home in heaven are making that investment because they believe in the Word of God, the power of God, and they believe in passing it on as God has asked us to do. We'd like you to come today to be part of this congregation, come as a candidate for membership. We have a new members class starting up. Barry Owen, our married adult pastor, teaches that. It's August the 4th. You can sign up in the lobby. Well, I'm really not interested in joining a church, but I'm interested in what the class is. Come to the class. We'll give you breakfast and lunch. How much is it, $15? No, it's free. You come to that. It'll be a great time. We'd love for you to do that. Whatever your decision today, including whether you're at home or you're here, including saying today and really meaning it because God knows your heart, Today, I want to receive the gift of eternal life, Jesus. I've played around with my own way, done my own thing. My best thinking to this point in my life got me to where I am. God, I'm willing to try. You said you'd give me an abundant life. I'm going to try that, God. I'm believing in you that you've died on the cross for my sins. You were God who took on flesh and loved me, died in my place, and rose from the grave. Like Luke and Charlie did today. You can testify before God because he knows your heart and he will save you today and you will be inhabited with the Holy Spirit of God and he will change you. I don't care how many times you think you tried it. When you really mean it, God really means it. I'm going to ask you to stand and don't wait. Respond as God's power has told you to come forward and respond with a decision.